the most rare. It's the most difficult. So my psychic development classes are filled with clairvoyants like me who feel sort of tortured and are looking for the off switch. Welcome to Exploring the Mystical Side of Life with your host, Linda Lang. Hi, this is Linda Lang from ThoughtChange.com. We are exploring the mystical side of life once again this week. If you enjoy our conversations, make sure you subscribe, share with a friend. Today, we are talking psychic development. I have psychic trainer Lisa Campion here. Lisa is also a Reiki master trainer. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much, Linda. It's such a pleasure to be here with you today. Probably all of my listeners have a curiosity about how they can tap into their own psychic ability and develop it even more if they're already tapped in. So perhaps we could start with some of the ways that our intuition comes through us that we might not recognize as intuition. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And what I find when I teach people psychic development is that people have a lot of misconceptions about what psychic experiences are really like. And we watched a lot of horror movies or we've seen a lot of paranormal TV and, and psychics are like these poor tortured people. And every psychic experience is like you're haunted by some evil demon that's trying to get you in the middle of the night. Or the psychic like flops on the floor and like twitches and foams at the mouth a little, a little and that's what, you know, this is kind of what we think. And if we're not experiencing that, then we think we're not psychic. And I love those movies. Like I, I love that stuff, but it's not really a, a great reflection of reality. In reality, psychic experience are so interwoven into our everyday lives that we don't even know they're psychic until somebody tells us, right? So people are like, what do you mean that's psychic? That's just stuff I do all the time. So psychic is easy. Psychic is not complicated. For the most part, it's not scary. Sometimes it can be. It's really effortless. We have to pay attention. So maybe you've had the experience of the phone rings and you know it's your mother calling before you pick it up. Or maybe even you know the phone's going to ring a minute before it does. You're like, the phone's going to ring. It's going to be my mother. Or maybe you have that like feeling when you meet somebody and you shake their hand and you have this instant like or dislike, this this first impression. Maybe you feel hunches or nudges about things and you you follow them along. Maybe you have dreams that sometimes come true or or show you like into a deeper aspect of yourself or the world. Maybe you feel creeped out somewhere that I don't know, it's like Murphy's Law, put the psychic in the haunted Airbnb. <laughs> it's like for the haunted hotel room, it's that's like a slice of my life. But I think these things are so normal. They're such a normal part of our everyday life that we kind of dismiss them because they're not these, these dramatic stuff that we're seeing in the movies. I think the big thing is to really understand what it's really like and and start paying attention to those hunches, those nudges, those feelings. We go into an argument with our mind, like our mind is the least psychic thing we have, <laughs> sort of anti-psychic, actually. And it's kind of like it's always telling you, well, that's not important. What, you know, why do you feel that way about that person? Everyone else thinks that person is nice. You know, so we, we have to learn how to quiet our mind. You know, we need our minds. Like I'm not saying ditch your mind, but if you want to be more psychic, we have to kind of put that a little bit to the side and open ourselves to this other range of more felt things, more known things that are kind of through our body, through our gut, through our heart. And then the world opens in this beautiful way that 
I think is really useful, actually, too. And sometimes those psychic impressions can be really strong. Sometimes they're so subtle and so fleeting. I think of times, you know, maybe you're going out and you just have this like quick picture that oh, you should grab this and take it and you pay no mind to it at all because it's like two seconds long and you get distracted and then you're out and about. And sure enough, if you only would have brought that thing that you were recommended to take. So it, it can be that subtle. Absolutely. It is often that subtle. And one of the things that I recommend people do is start a, what I call the psychic journal and dedicate it to recording your psychic experiences. That little hunch that you got about don't forget your thing or the dream that you had, or if you pull cards, you know, oracle cards, divination cards, put them in there. That first impression you had, because it's so fleeting and you can, you can even have a very profound intuitive or psychic experience on Monday. And then by the time it comes true on Wednesday, forgot about it, unless you write it, they do have that ephemeral quality to them. And even really strong psychic messages have an ephemeral quality. So when we write it, we capture all that. And I guarantee that you're going to be amazed how psychic you already are. If that's all you ever do, you're going to be super impressed with yourself by how psychic you already are. And how do you learn how to interpret the impressions you're getting? Yeah, it's sort of a skill. So I think one of the other misconceptions people have is that you're born psychic and you're born incredibly psychic and that's all there is to it. But really, psychic is an ability, like athletic ability or musical ability. You can be born with tons of latent ability and you still need to work it. You still need to practice and train and study. And I truly believe anyone can reach their potential by studying. So one of the things that we have to learn, a skill we have to learn is this this art of interpreting symbolic information. Um, because a lot of times our psychic information comes through this right side of the brain, you know, into the intuitive, creative, symbolic side of the brain. And some people are naturally good at living in that part of their brain like I am. Other people are more into the, you know, the analytical side of our brain. Obviously, we need both. We need to have access to both sides of the way that we think. I do think like learning dream interpretation is a really good way to do that. Studying with tarot cards or oracle cards is really good. My tarot teacher was very old school and she made me, she made me learn the tarot deck without referring to a, a reference book. So I, you know, I learned how to interpret. I found actually the process of like music interpretation or, or art interpretation. It's that side of us that is very good at, at doing this, but we can learn how to do it. And it is an important thing. Dream interpretation is a huge way to open that door because you understand your own symbols, right? A dream dictionary isn't the same. It doesn't work for everyone. And your psychic mm -hmm. impressions can be that way too. Absolutely. And when I teach people how to do that, I talk about there's sort of these symbol libraries we have. So we have the universal symbol library. This is something that Carl Jung talked about. And if you get a book on dream interpretations or symbol interpretations, it's referencing this universal symbol library for all of humans. We can maybe think that those symbols mean the same thing. But we also have a personal symbol library. And our personal symbol library is sort of this, what does it mean to you? You know, and like, I like this example of the roller coaster. So let's say you're doing a reading for somebody or you have a dream and you dream they're on a roller coaster. 
if you hate roller coasters, which I do, I might say, oh my God, it's going to be so terrible. You're going to be dizzy and nauseous and it's going to feel out of control and it's going to be the worst experience of your life. Or if you love roller coasters, you're going to be like, it's the best thing that's ever happened to you. It's going to be amazing. The most fun you've ever had in your life. Instead of having me interpret it, I will say, I saw the roller coaster. What does that mean to you? You know, because our personal symbol library really trumps the universal symbol library. And like my guides talk to me, I love movies. And often when I'm dealing with like complex relationship issues or family issues or situations, my guides will reference a movie. They'll be like, you know, it's like that scene in Harry Met Sally, or it's like this scene. And so I get the, all the nuance, like, and again, what that meant to me is totally different than what it might've meant to somebody else. Songs are often part of our symbol library too. And so we have, we have a deeply personal reference point there that when we look at things that way, it starts all to make sense. And I find that a lot of people kind of think clairvoyance is king in the psychic world. And that's what they really want. But from my experience, the clairvoyance is probably the most symbolic and the most needing interpretation. Most difficult. Yeah. It's the most rare. It's the most difficult. So my psychic development classes are filled with clairvoyants like me who feel sort of tortured and are looking for the off switch, you know, and other people really wish that they had that. And it's a hard one. It can be quite burdensome. You know, I always say like, do you really want to see what that growly thing under your bed actually looks like when you're a kid, you know? <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. I, so I really encourage people to change the word see because see has become synonymous with psychic to perceive or experience. So if I'm teaching something and having my students do a meditation, instead of saying, what did you see? I say, what did you perceive? What did you experience? Because that loops in all the other psychic senses that we have. And I'm like, I didn't see nothing happened to me. I didn't see anything. And I'm well, what did you hear? What did you feel in your body? What did you sense? What did you know? You know, and then all of a sudden there's so much, right? There's so much experience that we have. So we have to recondition ourselves and understand that clairvoyance is just one of the many psychic senses we have. It's not the most reliable. It's the trickiest and sort of painful actually for the people that do have it often, you know? So often with people who get clairvoyant messages, they don't know how to interpret it until after the fact of whatever the message was about. And then it's like, oh, that's what that meant. So it's probably really good for them to start writing out their own personal dictionary when they get these impressions. Right, because we will learn. And I, I think that's true for many of the psychic senses, not just clairvoyance, you know. So especially particularly true with people that have experienced precognitive you know, have precognitive experiences. Precognition is sort of seeing a little bit into the future before it happens. And we can experience that through all of our psychic senses. And most of the time, it doesn't mean anything until after the fact, right? So I have this like little imaginary file cabinet in my head that I call the X-Files. And I put all my precognitive experiences into the X-Files folder because I'm like, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. And afterwards, I'm like, oh, that's what that meant. You know, that's what, that's what that was all about. 
because sometimes we can't see it until it's really in the rear view. And then you understand, you know, and if we do record those and, and notice them and think about it, we can definitely build our own symbol library. And the more we do dream interpretation, the more we play with divination tools and use them to help develop, the more we can develop our own skills. But I think a lot of that is about reading on the fly, you know, and just being able to interpret as it's unfolding best we can. And so for anyone who really wants to develop one particular Claire, would you advise them to step into that development or to enhance where they're naturally gifted first? I think it's better to start with where our natural gifts are. And that as we build our overall skill in psychic, the other ones tend to open, you know? And sometimes in order to open these other ones, we have to rewire our brain a little bit. And it, it's not impossible. It just takes some work. Like if you really want to be a visual psychic, then we need to um, enhance our skills to visualize. So we have to enhance our ability to focus and hold our concentration and visualize. And we can do it. You can learn to do remote viewing. The Army started doing this in the intelligence community um, way back in the day. And they just took people off the street, not psychic at all, no psychic tendencies, ran them to this training. And everyone was able to open their clairvoyance. And it it's like, you know, you take an object and you stare at it. And then you close your eyes and you visualize it. And you do that. And then you more complex objects. And with time and focus and concentration, anyone's like a muscle. Anyone can build that muscle if, if you're willing to put the time in to do it. So that's a great exercise to start with. Yeah. Do you have any more tips for people who'd like to develop their psychic ability? I think we really have to make space to be quiet. And we're very busy. You know, we don't like to be bored. We're on our phones. We're, all, you know, we're busy, busy. We're doing stuff. And it seems these days, especially with younger people who grew up with that kind of media connection are very uncomfortable in a quiet space. And yet that's really essential for psychic work. So one of the things we can do is learn how to shift. So professional psychics learn how to shift their brainwave states at will. And all of our psychic activity happens in the alpha brainwave, right? So right now we're in the beta, we're thinking, we're talking, we're in the state of cognition. And it's not a very psychic state. It's that mental state, you know, where the mind is really active. And in order to receive psychic information, we have to downshift one frequency into the alpha brainwave. It's a slower frequency, sort of a light trance state. You get there when you're meditating, walking, driving a route that you've done before, washing the dishes, peeling potatoes, mowing the lawn, walking the dog. These repetitive, lying on the grass and looking at the clouds, going, <laughs> sitting on the seashore, watching the waves. These, these quieter states put us into this alpha brainwave state, and then we're very open. So I love this exercise where you write a question down in your psychic journal, and then you go take a shower, take a nap, mow the lawn, walk the dog, and you kind of forget. You'd be surprised how many psychics have their best experiences in the shower. It's, just, it's really a thing. And I'm sure many people have had that experience when you're puzzling over something, you've got a problem and you're working it through, and then you put it down, you do one of those things. Often our intuition and our creativity will come to us when we stop pushing on it. So if you want to have more psychic, you have to spend more time in this alpha brainwave state. 
and it can be meditation, but it can be these other activities that get you there. Driving is really good. Driving, yes. But driving somewhere new, not so much, but driving the commute that you always drive and you know what happens is you go into a little daydream and like time seems to like not be there anymore. And you're like, how did I get here? What? What? I'm here already? Those kinds of things, riding on a train, that sort of rhythmic motion of the train and the just like where you kind of space out and let your mind go blank. These are really great moments to access our psychic abilities. And when we do it with intentionality, we can really, you know, we can sort of hit psychic gold there. And that's why people have psychic experiences while they're falling asleep and while they're waking up, because as we're falling asleep, our brain shifts down into this alpha state and the same thing when we're waking up. Aside from the busyness, is there anything else that blocks our intuition? You know, I think that the tendency to analyze, um, to go too quickly into analysis can block. So when we, we're receiving it in this this right side of our brain, or it's getting all juicy and we're feeling our way through it. And if we shunt it over to the analytical side too quickly, we can shut it down. What does that mean? What, like, what's happening? And, you know, so we need to learn to relax a little bit and hold off. Analysis can come a little bit later. Let me figure out the meaning of this. That's when we can bring in our analytical brain. But if it comes in too quickly, it'll shut it down. The other thing is not paying attention, you know? So like you dismiss, this sort of a dismissal that can happen where you dismiss the little voice in your head. You're not paying attention. I think when we choose to not act on it, we also shut it down. So I'm not saying act on every crazy little whim, but 51% of the time, you know, I don't know, like more often than not, sometimes we, if we act on it, if we shut it down, shut it down, shut it down, don't act, don't act, dismiss, dismiss. We really like, it's like a muscle then that atrophies. Even if we don't take action, if we consciously choose, so we're consciously having the awareness that we receive it and then make our choice. Absolutely. Rather than just like you say, discount immediately. You know, discounting of it will really shut it down. I think often we have to work through fear. So fear is one of the first things that we talk about in my psychic development classes because fear is a really um, restraining force here. So I ask people what they're afraid of. Nearly everyone is afraid of something. Like, am I going to go crazy? Are people going to think that I'm crazy? If I open my abilities, am I going to see bad things? Am I going to attract bad things? You know, it, it it's the unknown for a lot of us. And a lot of us have to kind of undo some programming that we've had, you know, whether it's religious programming and your, you know, your parents dragged you to the church and threw holy water on you when you were little because you were talking to dead Uncle Fred or, you know, it's the devil, you know, this kind of thing where we're what we saw in horror movies. I don't want to be the, the psychic in the horror movie, you know, because fear will shut it down very quickly. And many of us had bad experiences when we were children or, you know, it didn't go well. It freaked your parents out and they were like, stop doing that right now. I hear that story over and over. Super psychic kids. Kids are just naturally that way. And then depending on the level of openness in their um, environment, they can hold on to it or shut it. You know, there'll be an unconscious or conscious decision to shut it down, I think, in most children. And there is that theory that our intuition is developed because of our own circumstances growing up as children. If it's, you know, not necessarily a healthy environment and it's a way where we can 
perceive our environment and the future. So it doesn't necessarily mean that all intuition and psychic ability comes through that traumatic upbringing, but it certainly can be developed that way. There's kind of a combination of like, it's a constitutional or soul level part of our nature and our environment. So you can have siblings, one's an empath sensitive and the other one isn't, right? In the same environment, the same parents and the sensitive child will use their empath nature, their sensitivity to become like almost hypervigilant in the situation. Like you're two years old and you're in your crib and you're feeling through your way energetically throughout. Like, is is it a good mommy day today or a bad mommy day today? You know, what what's going on with daddy? Like, you know, but your non-empathic sibling might not do that. You know, so I feel like it is also a soul level, like a soul quality kind of constitutional part of who we are at a fundamental level. And we use that to adapt to our environments. You know, I think it's really kind of both. Agreed. Agreed. So is there anything that we should be concerned about or aware of protection wise when we talk about psychic? I think there is, and I love teaching psychic self-defense along with my um, psychic opening. Um, And my psychic form of psychic self-defense is really about being street smart, paying attention, being informed, having really, really good boundaries, especially the empath community. Empaths are almost always extremely psychic. Not all psychics are empaths, but all empaths are really psychic. So empaths need to learn some boundary setting. How do we set boundaries energetically and how do we set boundaries, you know, verbally and sort of psychologically. And I I feel like once we learn the habit of boundaries, it works for people, ghosts, spirits, entities, spirit guides. It doesn't matter. It's all the boundaries going to work. So we need that. And then I think we need good common sense. Like people engage in some very unsafe psychic practices that are simple to avoid if you know better, you know. And a lot of this, I think, comes from watching paranormal TV, and it's not always great to emulate. It's fine to do paranormal investigations, but just make sure you know what you're doing. Please be trained. Don't go alone. Please don't use a Ouija board, you know. Don't take the Ouija board to the abandoned mental hospital, you know, and and on Halloween. I think sometimes what, what happens is People don't really believe, and so they go about these kinds of things seeking to see if something will happen, which in my mind is a bit like not really believing in sharks and then chumming the water and jumping in just to see if sharks are real, you know? And you're opening that door with an invitation. Yes, you are. And so don't summon demons. Like, don't go on the internet and and learn how to conjure demons. You're going to find out the hard way that that might be real, you know? So I think if that's the street smart quality, like if you don't do those things, you have your wits about you and you have good boundaries, you're going to be fine. I've never been afraid of spirits. I've seen spirits my whole life. People, on the other hand, scare me on a regular basis. I'm way (laughs) way more afraid of people than spirits. It's just, that's just how it's been for me. And if you're really in a vulnerable state, if your mental health is shaky, psychic development is not great for people that are on shaky ground with their mental health. I recommend that you do what you need to do to get your feet under you and stabilize yourself and do some grounding practices and and really work on stabilizing because it's not great to jump in the deep end of the pool if you're on on shaky ground yourself. 
any psychic impressions before our meeting today, Lisa? I just had this feeling that we were going to have a strong connection and a beautiful conversation. And, and, you know, like I really love your spirit, your wisdom. You have incredible spiritual wisdom. And I love that you're choosing to share your wisdom with the world in the, in this form, this podcast and all, all the other things that you're doing in your life. So thank you for being a wisdom holder and for including me in, in your, um, in your sphere that way. Thank you, Lisa. And thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today as well. Thank you. Now, if people would like to know more information, where can we send them? My website's really good, lisacampion.com. And I have a lot of free resources for empaths, sensitives, healers. I really feel like my mission in life is to train psychics, healers, and empaths. I feel like the world needs all the healers it can get. Many people are undergoing massive opening right now. They're having sudden psychic openings or realizing their sensitivity or their empathic nature. And uh, catching people in that process is really what I love to do because I didn't have that help. When I was going through it as a child in the 70s, there was nothing. So I wrote the books I wish I could have found in the library and teach the classes I was searching for and became the mentor I wish I had found. So I love, love, love helping people go through that gracefully and not have to thrash around painfully like I did. And your latest book is? Called Awakening Your Psychic Ability. And you can get it anywhere books are sold. Amazon, please check out your local bookstore. We we love to support our local bookstores. You can find it really anywhere. Beautiful. Thank you for being my guest today. Thank you so much, Linda. It was beautiful being with you today. And thank you for listening to this week's edition of Exploring the Mystical Side of Life. You will find all of our conversations on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Come visit me at ThoughtChange.com. Pick up your copy of Learning to Listen. While you're there, check out my program, Alchemy from the Inside Out. That's it for this week. We'll see you again next time. Bye for now. <music>